Chapter Eighteen of Hunting Dogs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hunting Dogs by Oliver Hartley. Chapter Eighteen The Dog on the Trap Line. Some trappers will take issue in regard to the advantages and disadvantages of the dog on the trap line. The subject holds sufficient interest, however, to warrant a chapter, and if some lonesome trappers benefit thereby, our effort shall stand justified. Now, we will say first that there is as much or more difference in the man who handles the dog as there is in the different breeds of dogs. We have heard men say that they wanted no dog on the trap line with them, and that they didn't believe that anyone who did want a dog on the trap line knew but very little about trapping at the best. Now those are the views and ideas of some trappers, while my experience has led me to see it otherwise. One who is so constituted that they must give a dog the growl, or perhaps a kick every time they come in reach, will undoubtedly find a dog of but little use on the trap line. We have known some dogs to refuse to eat, and would lay out where they could watch in the direction in which their master had gone and piteously howl for hours, waiting the return of the master and friend. I have seen other dogs that would take for the barn or any other place to get out of the way at the first sight or sound of their master. This man's dog is usually more attached to a stranger than to his master. The man who cannot treat his dog as a friend and companion will have good cause to say that a dog is a nuisance on the trap line. I have seen men training dogs for bird hunting, who would treat the dog most cruelly and claim that a dog could not be trained to work a bird successfully under any other treatment. Though I have seen others train the same breed of dogs to work a bird to perfection, and that their most harsh treatment would be a tap or two with a little switch. I will say that one who cannot understand the wag of a dog's tail, the wistful gaze of the eye, the quick lifting of the ears, the cautious raising of a foot, and above all, treat his dog as a friend, need expect his dog to be but little else than a nuisance on the trap line. Several years ago I had a partner who had a dog, part staghound and the other part just dog, I think. One day he, my partner, asked if i would object to his bringing the dog to camp saying that his wife was going on a visit and he had no place to leave the dog i told him that if he had a good dog i would be glad to have him in camp in a day or two pard went home and brought in the dog well when he came the dog was following behind his master with tail and ears drooping and looking as though he never heard a kind word in his life I asked if the animal was any good, and he replied that he did not know how good he was. I asked the name of the dog. He said, Oh, I call him Pont. I spoke to the dog, calling him by name. He looked at me wistfully, wagging his tail. The look that dog gave me said to me as plainly as words that this was the first kind word he had ever heard. We went inside and the dog started to follow, when his master in a harsh voice said, get out of here. I said, where do you expect the dog to go? I then took an old coat that was in the camp, placed it in the corner, and called gently to Pont, patted the coat, and told him to lay down on the coat, which he did. I patted him, saying, that is a good place for Pont, 
and I can see that wistful gaze the dog gave me now. After we had our supper, I asked my partner if he wasn't going to fix Pont some supper. Oh, after a while, I will see if I can't find something for him. I took a biscuit from the table, spread some butter on it, called the dog to me, broke the biscuit in pieces, and gave it to the dog from my hand. Then I found an old basin that chanced to be about the camp, and fixed the dog a good supper. After the dog had finished his supper, I went to the coat in the corner, spoke gently to Pont, patted the coat, and told him to lay down on the coat. That was the end of that. Pont knew his place, and took it without any further trouble. The next morning, when we were about ready to start out on the trap-line, I asked Pard what he intended to do with Pont. He said that he would tie him to a tree that stood against the shanty close to the door. We were going to take different lines of traps. I said, what is the harm of Pont's going with me? All right, if you want him, I don't want any dog with me. I said, Am, that was Pard's given name for short. I don't believe the dog wants to go with you any more than you want him to. Am's reply was that he guessed he would go all right if he wanted him. I said, Am, just for shucks, say nothing to the dog, and see which one he will follow. So we stepped outside the shack, and the dog stood close to me. I said, Go on, Am, and we will see who the dog will follow. He started off, and the dog only looked at him. Am stopped and told the dog to come on. The dog got around behind me. Am said, If I wanted you to come, you would come, or I would break your neck. I said, No, Am, you won't break Pont's neck while I am around. It would not look nice. I started on my way, Pont following after I had gone a little ways. I spoke to Pont, patting him on the head, and told him what a good dog he was. He jumped about and showed more ways than one how pleased he was, and from that day until we broke camp, Pont stayed with me. He showed plainly the disgust he had for his master. It so happened that the first trap I came to was a trap set in a spring run, and it had a coon in it. I allowed Pont to help me kill the coon, and after the coon was dead, I patted Pont and told him what great things he had done in capturing the coon. Pont showed what pride he took in the hunt, so much so that he did not like to have Am go near the pelt. I saw from the very first day out that all that Pont needed was kind treatment and proper training to make a good help on the trap line. I was careful to let him know what I was doing when setting a trap, and when he would go to smell at the bait after a trap had been set, I would speak to him in a firm voice and let him know that I did not approve of what he was doing. When making blind sets, I took the same pains to show and give him to understand what I was doing. I would sometimes, after giving him fair warning, let him put his foot into a trap. I would scold him in a moderate manner and release him. Then all the time I was resetting the trap, I would talk trap to him, and by action and word, teach him the nature of the trap. Mr. Trapper, please do not persuade yourself to believe that the intelligent dog cannot understand if you go about it right. In two weeks, Pont had advanced so far in his training that I no longer had to pay any attention to him on account of the traps. The third day Pont was with me, he found a coon that had escaped with a trap nearly two weeks before. My route called me up a little draw from the main stream. I had not gone far up this when Pont took the trail of some animal and began working it up the side of the hill. 
I stood and watched him until the trail took him to an old log, when Pont began to sniff at the hole in the log. He soon raised his head and gave a long howl, as much as to say, He is here, and I want help. After running a stick in the hole, I soon discovered that the log was hollow. I took my belt axe and pounded along the log until I thought I was at the right point, and then chopped a hole in the log, and as good luck would have it, I made the opening right on to the coon, and almost the first thing I saw on looking into the log was the trap. Pont soon had the coon out, and when I saw it was the coon that had escaped with our trap, I gave Pont praise for what he had done, petting him and telling him of his good deed, and he seemed to understand it all. Not long after this, Am came into camp at night, and reported that a fox had broken the chain on a certain trap, and gone off with the trap, saying that he would take Pont in the morning and see if he could find the fox. In the morning, when we were ready to go, Am tried to have Pont follow him, but it was no go. Pont would not go with him. Then Am put a rope on to him and tried to lead him, but Pont would sulk and would not be led. Then Am lost his temper and wanted to break Pont's neck again. I said that I did not like to have Pont abused and that I would go along with him. When we came to the place where the fox had escaped with the trap, Am at once began to slap his hands and hiss Pont on. Pont only crouched behind me for protection. I persuaded Am to go on down the run and look at the traps down that way while I and Pont would look after the escaped fox. As soon as Am was gone, I began to look about where the fox had been caught and search for his trail, and soon Pont began to wag his tail. I merely worked Pont's way and said, Has he gone that way? Pont gave me to understand that the fox had gone that way, and that he knew what was wanted. The trail soon left the main hollow and looked up a little draft. A little way up this we found where the fox had been fast in some bushes, but had freed himself and left and gone up the hillside. Pont soon began to get uneasy, and when I said hunt him out, Pont, away he went, and in a few minutes I heard Pont give a long howl, and I knew that he had hold his game. When I came up to Pont, he was working in a hole in some shell rocks. I pulled away some loose rocks and could see the fox, and we soon had him out, and Pont seemed more pleased over the hunt than I was. There was scarcely a week that Pont did not help us out on the trap line. Not unfrequently did Pont show me a coon den. I had some difficulty in teaching Pont to let the porcupines alone, but after a time he learned that they were not the kind of game that he wanted, and he paid no more attention to them. I have had many different dogs on the trap line with me, and I can say to anyone who can understand dogs' language, has a liking for a dog, and has a reasonable amount of patience and is willing to use it, will find a well-trained dog of much benefit on the trap line, and often a more genial companion than some partners one may fall in with. But if one is so constituted that he must give his dog a growl or a kick every time he comes in reach, and perhaps only give his dog half enough to eat and cannot treat a dog as a friend, then I say, leave the dog off the trap line. End of chapter 18